Ben Mangrins with you guys. Um, Donald Trump has nearly conceded. We will uh, talk about that in a little bit. Uh, we'll also talk about how some kid didn't let me play with his Atari game. Those things are related, believe it or not. Um, way back in the day, sponsored shoptyt.com. Look at this. We shut up, man. Okay, this is our this uh, shirt that I get the second best reaction to, Ben. Uh, best one is you're fired. Uh, every I live in LA, so everyone's like the the Trump "You're Fired" T-shirt. Everyone's like, "Yes, where do I get that?" Right? But this is the Joe Biden quote from the debate. So this is my favorite one because it takes half a second for people to go, "Oh yeah, where can I get that?" <laughs> I, I just love the fact that we would never in a million years have thought that you would be actively promoting uh, a shirt that has a fun Joe Biden quote on it that makes you like him. Yeah, and well, and I'm not sure that we would have ever thought that Biden would have been aggressive enough to say, will you shut up, man? Um, yeah. <laughs> right, but he got pushed into that. But if you got pushed into doing something aggressive, you, you know me, I'm going to be, I'm here for sure. it, as the kids say. <laughs> right? So, um, and yeah, there and was, a, the way, you know, there was, there was, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, just to finish up the, the promos, uh, the, Shop uh, tyt.com is having a Black Friday sale for uh, all the way through Black Friday, so check that out. And of course, also twostrongcoffee.com/tyt. Okay, so that's progressive, organic, fair trade, uh, and you get the mug after if you buy three bags or more. So that's twostrongcoffee.com/tyt. Um, yeah, sorry, go ahead, Ben. No, there was another one today from Biden that I liked. Um, mm -hmm. uh, he was asked whether the Senate. GOP will give his cabinet nominees a tough time. And he said, are you kidding me? So, like, I was like, all right, good. Right? He has some sense. Unless he, that meant, of course not, that we'll, they'll respect them. And of course, you know, even if they don't agree with them, if they're qualified, uh, as it was in my day, they'll, of course, uh, confirm. But I think it was the other thing. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll probably tweet about this after the show, but are we really, we're done, right, with talking about Republicans in the cabinet after almost the entirety of the Republican Party agreed to stand by as Donald Trump tried to do a political coup by getting the state legislators to elect him, even though they, he didn't win the election. We're, are, we're, are we still having a conversation about Republicans in the cabinet? You know, it's funny. The, the thing I object to is the conversation. I mean, if he wants to uh, you know, make somebody, uh, you know, the way uh, uh, the way it was for John Huntsman. If he wants to make somebody ambassador to China or Ireland, fine. I don't care. Have at it. Uh, but the conversation about it, like that I'm going to be bipartisan, look at me, be bipartisan. That is uh, that I am uh, objecting. Yeah. Uh, so I'm super afraid they're not going to get anything done for four years, but I don't want to get into that topic. So uh, Donald Trump today, um, or on Monday, uh, let's say, uh, tweeted out, let's say because it's true. Um, well, it's only half true, as I'll explain. Uh, this beginning of a concession, okay? So the GSA is uh, the organization within the government that is supposed to set up the transition to a new administration. And... Emily Murphy, who's running it, would not do that. She says she wasn't pressured by the Trump administration. Whatever. It, it, it's pointless now because Trump has uh, allowed her to do it. 
by the way, if she wasn't waiting on Trump, why did she wait till this tweet came out and then immediately started the transition afterwards? So, hmm. Cenk, she said she wasn't waiting on Trump, and I, I take her at her word. She's a professional with her GSA. <laughs> yeah, and Sidney Powell says that she's got a fire hose of information that the ghost of Hugo Chavez worked with a Republican governor of Georgia to steal the election for Biden. So, so before you know. You, yeah, to that point, like, what's, you know, it's incredible. Again, there are a million signs that, that, have changed so dramatically that it's stunning. Of uh, what we accept now is is really stunning. The number of times that uh, that supporters of the president post have claimed to have evidence. I mean, of course they don't have it, or they'd reveal it because they literally have a very short window of when the evidence is relevant. Like, what are you going to let it out on January 28th? Like, now's the time if you don't want certification for the love. You can't just say it unless you don't have it. Yeah, there's two amusing parts of that. First of all, they're 0 and 34 in court. Uh, what are you, the Democrats? You're keeping your uh, powder dry for the 35th court case? Right. Now, I'm pretty sure you would have presented it in the other 34 court cases, that, which you got, in some cases, almost laughed out of the courtroom, uh, as happened in Pennsylvania uh, over the weekend, uh, with a Republican judge saying, you don't have a shred of evidence. What are you doing here? Uh, you, and you don't have standing, and you're in the wrong venue, and, and you, you don't seem to understand legal principles. So, uh, <laughs> so... But anyway, she said uh, that she wasn't waiting on Trump. Uh, she uh, does begins the transition a minute after he sends the tweet. But here's the, the why I brought up the amusing part. Um, I'm going to read you Donald Trump's tweet that he wrote. Okay. Sure. Right. He said, "I want to thank Emily Murphy at GSA for her steadfast dedication." <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, I had not heard it. I had not heard it. I just know he tweeted it. <laughs> okay. Uh, already, already we've hit 0% chance he wrote this, but let's continue. Yeah. 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 Right. For her steadfast dedication and loyalty to our country, she's been harassed, threatened, and abused. And I do not want to see this happen to her, her family, or employees of GSA. Our case strongly continues. We will keep up the good fight, and I believe we will prevail. Um, nevertheless, in the best interest of our country, I mean, I've never seen a statement less written by its alleged author than this statement. Uh, we will nevertheless. nevertheless, right? Uh, but but I, there's one other great part. Nevertheless, in the best interest of our country, I'm recommending that Emily and her team do what needs to be done with regard to initial protocols. Come, come on. Who thinks Trump wrote this? And I've told my team yeah, to do exactly. the same. Okay. But Ben, the, the other amusing part is they capitalized country in the two instances where they say country. And then they all caps strongly. That was their effort to imitate Trump. But like they still, his team still does, has no That's idea right. how to imitate him. Like I could write Trump tweets a thousand times better than they can. He, he are you on the same planet as us? When does he ever say steadfast dedication or initial protocols? 
Uh, right. It's like it, you know who you know who I, it sounds like wrote it. I mean, it's inconceivable this person wrote it, but you know who it sounds like Ooh. Mike Pence. Like, <laughs> like yeah, it like, does sound like Pence would say. Pence would say steadfast, right? And uh, and nevertheless, big word like nevertheless, and he would have no clue how to do Trump. None, right? Yeah, uh, not in a million. He years. Capitalizes country and put uh, put something in caps. Right. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it wasn't Mike Pence, but that's how Mike Pence would write the statement as Donald Trump. No, Ben, your point is so good. Going in, I didn't know who you were going to say, and I couldn't think of who would write it that way. But the minute you said Mike Pence, I became 40 percent convinced instantly that it was Mike Pence. It really does sound like him. And it's, the- and, and it's going to actually lead to the main yeah. point I wanted to make, which is. um. He's so pouty, he wouldn't write this tweet himself. He's such a baby. He's such a baby. And he might have been inconsolable, and that's why they might have gone to the vice president. Like, Vice President Pence, we cannot... Trump has agreed to let GSA do their job, but he can't bring himself to write the tweet. We didn't want to speak for him. Can can you write the tweet? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, right, I mean, they're so effed up that they could bypass the communications office and be like, what's Mike doing? Nothing. He'll do it. Anything's possible in the Trump administration. So uh, it's possible like that. Yeah. You or, know, that I- Trump com- or that Trump, like, um, completely broke down, right? And they can't get him to do anything. Even if he ordered this and then second to depression couldn't get anything, I'm like, well, I guess my Pence is basically in charge. We got to send out a tweet, and so Pence and his looks like I froze. This is the most pointless internet connection in the history of money. Like, <laughs> why do I pay for? It? I, you know, I have a, a terabyte or a gigabyte. I have one something, one thing. <laughs> Oh, well, here's what I know as much about the uh, technical end of the internet as you do. So I, but I do. So hence, I believe you when you say having one of one of those bytes yeah. is like a big deal. Like that's a lot, right? I, yeah, I had three hundred at my old place. Three hundred mubas, right? Or sorry, mubas, right? And I got I got it up by three times plus to one to. Right. And I got one tube. But then, you know, you get one tube and then you're wireless, obviously, all the time. And then you find out, well, wireless uh, can't be more than 300. But still 300. okay, like this should be crystal clear all the time. And I got a bunch of extenders, which I guess could conceivably weaken it, even though they're incredibly expensive extenders. But it doesn't work right when I'm eight feet from the modem or the other thing Uh, might be the modem or the router. You're going to get me into one of my pet peeves, uh, which we've talked about in the past, um, which is, oh, it's really easy. Oh, no, no. Why don't you just upgrade your Internet? Um, Here, here's the things that I will guarantee you if you go to upgrade your Internet. This applies to everyone in the country. One, uh, you it'll make it worse instantly. Uh, It'll make it so much worse that you'll be knocked off the Internet for in the amount of time it would take you to hit, pull out every hair on your head. Okay. Um, and then once they get you back up. Other people, yeah. Right. 
Um, once they get you back up, it will not be what they promised. It'll be a lot less moves than they said it was going to be. Uh, and and none of it will be easy. Yeah, it's... Uh, um, I just figured out what moves is. It's megabytes per second, right? I think I just literally at this moment I have this because I said Mubpus. Um The uh, yeah, it's it's really outrageous, and it just reminded me. I'm going to call tomorrow. It's going to be pointless, but like it's a hundred dollars a month for internet service, and I, I think I, I got a deal because they're like, hey, they want to get you. In. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. I'm I'm. This is absurd. This in life, and it doesn't work. It's crazy. Yeah. Anyways, my moops my is doing okay. So I, I'm going to go back to the Trump uh, conversation for a second. So, Ben, I, I just realized um, that it probably is Pence who wrote the tweet because I, I know the White House has steadfast dedication to protocols. Uh, That's a Mike <laughs> Pence phrase. So is, yeah. <laughs> Mike Pence has spent his whole life uh, exhibiting a steadfast dedication to protocol. Yeah. I mean, you're right, Ben. But in high, in high, high school, he was voted most of a steadfast dedication to protocol. Oh, totally, yeah. Uh, yeah. And um, I... The part that I missed that you're really right about is that uh, it's so funny that whoever wrote this, but I'm now 60% convinced it's Mike Pence, um, couldn't figure out how to do Trump. Like they're just like incapable of it. They're like, and, and they threw up their hands. Like I, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to be that dumb. I, I'm just gonna write it as a halfway normal human being, and that'll have to do. So Trump writes a tweet. Well, again, as Trump doesn't write the tweet, uh, so they're they're gonna begin to do a transition. And but him not writing it, Ben, uh, makes me think of an old story that I had. I don't know that if I ever shared it with you. It was uh, this kid that I grew up with. We were nominally friends, and um, but but we were also uh, enemies. We were frenemies. Um, did you have anybody like that when you were growing up? Just you. <laughs> okay. Uh, so uh, he, we would play together sometimes, but he didn't like me, and... Um, and so he would do childish things, but he was, but you could tell who's right and wrong because of this. Like when we were, sometimes we were playing, I always use the example of kickball. Apparently we played, played a lot of kickball when I was a kid, but let me just what? interrupt. Let me interrupt yeah. for one sec by saying uh, kickball wildly underrated. Thank you. Somebody yeah. had to say it. <laughs> and I don't know why people don't play it more. I think kickball is like one of the funnest things in the world. It's like one of the things I miss most about childhood. Um, right. Loved, loved every time, every second we put. First of all, when somebody was just running around the bases, you just throw the ball at them, right? That's yeah. Nice. Yeah, it was really it was fantastic. At any, however hard you wanted to. If you threw it too hard, uh, the teacher or the coach, whatever, would be like, hey, come on. It's just great. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's uncomplicated. It's, yeah. it's just wonderful. Um, uh, if I had time, which I don't, but this is reason number 8,000 that I'd like to be rich, right? Uh, although uh, if you listen to Tucker Carlson's of the world, uh, we're going to make you drink coffee and, uh, and make sure that nobody ever gets rich. 
uh, is that I would love to organize a kickball oh. game among our friends. Uh, how would that to... not be the most fun thing we've ever done? I mean, you add in edibles, and that could be the literally the greatest afternoon of our lives. So I get it. We got sidetracked here, but it's important. So uh, I want to have a whole kickball league. I get it. We'll just start with a game. Um, I can't remember how the ball gets to you. It's rolled like a bowling ball, or do it's... you just kick it? No, it's rolled to you like a bowling ball. The thing I couldn't remember, and I was going to ask you just now, is I forgot balls and strikes. How do you do balls and strikes and kick? I, do, I don't think you do. I just think you, you keep doing it until the guy kicks it or the girl kicks it. I think. <laughs> I think. I don't. I mean, I guess if you swing and miss, but I mean, that's. Would be I remember. For I, most think of I, now. I think I remember fouls. Yeah, yeah, sure. You, yeah, yeah. You could, if you try and go down the third base line, you could hit a, you could hit a, you could kick a foul. <laughs> no, you could definitely get strikes. I remember getting strikes because I remember people missing the ball. And sure. Yeah. Down. Yeah. That that's true. That would happen. You felt bad for them because they didn't want to be playing kickball. Like they hated PE or sports, as we called it. And then like, oh great, we're playing kickball where I'd make a pool of myself. And then some people would just clearly strike out, like they were fine. I get to go sit down, and talk to my friend. And you're not going to, no one watching is going to be surprised by this. But so I don't remember if I ever struck out, but I remember that if I ever struck out in kickball, that would have been the highlight of gym class for everyone. Because no, I'm sure. I, I'm sure. Right. Because I was not a person who didn't want to play kickball. Jim uh, <laughs> was my favorite class, and I didn't yeah. understand why it wouldn't be everyone's favorite class. Yeah, and they yeah. kept score. You kept score. What could yeah, be better? Of course. And you know me, so of course I was competitive. I was I, in high school in 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 those contexts. I was not as loud, but I'm sure I'm wrong about that. That's my, my recollection. Well, is you that didn't play. There's no way you played kickball in high school. You play it in elementary school. I mean, yeah, elementary, uh, junior yeah, right. high. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And yeah, um, high. yeah, and so so if a guy like me struck out, then everybody would be like, "Yes." <laughs> Could we get? What will we need? We would need 14 people because you could pitch and catch to yourself, right? So 14 mm -hmm. people would fully do it. Could probably do it with 12, right? Six fielders, you know, three infielders. I don't know. You're, you're, you don't let people kick to right field, you know, something like that. Like you could do that. You cut off a third of the outfield. It could be done. It could be done with 12, definitely 14. And so as you point out, your insufferability, my insufferability, which was not insufferable, was that because it's baseball, right, except you're kicking it, um, there was never a moment where I didn't know five times as much as everyone there, including the coach or the PE teacher, right? No, you can't. You have to tag him. No, you don't. It was a four. You know, I'm like 11, <laughs> instructing them on what they're on what they're not getting. Yeah. Now. If you're sitting at home, you might be wondering, wait a minute, why the hell do you have to be rich to play kickball? I don't remember being rich and play, play kickball. So that's an excellent question if it popped into your head. Uh, no, it's you. It's the least thing you need to be rich for. You just need to buy that kickball. It costs yeah. about probably, what, max $7 or whatever Yeah, costs. I was going to say, if you're, if you're going to get it, you're like, I need five. Here's $30. 
right, let's go. <laughs> I don't know why you would buy five, but yes. No, because you're gonna because you're gonna right. kick, you're gonna kick it. It's gonna deflate, and you gotta have another ball. <laughs> yeah, just in case you kick it over the neighbor's yard, whatever it is. That's right. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so no, it's not that. It's not. It's that I would have to be have enough time to clear out the schedule to not only play but to organize twelve to fourteen people to play. That's right. And that's a world in which I live in the lap of luxury. <laughs> so I have a weekend to kill. So I decide, ah, sure. I'll, you know, well, I don't have to be rich. I either have to be rich or I have to stop doing everything that I'm doing. Uh, <laughs> so, so if things stop being terrible with COVID, you can actually play kickball fairly safely, right? First of all, you could just wear masks, right? And you could promise to stay away from people right it's okay um, covid's gonna be done in first of all right. it's uh, around the corner um but no in all seriousness like four or five months is what it looks like so let's right. just that's assume right. there's no covid okay so assume there's no covid and it's next spring maybe late spring um and uh like uh, we, i'm gonna try i'm gonna try because we can get 14 people who'd be into it uh, by the way i say last thing about kickball it probably isn't for me i'm probably gonna go back to it throughout the show and the shows that follow. I can't remember anybody kicking it up in the air. They must have, because I already had these fantasies when I was a really good outfielder as a, up until I was like 30, until I like couldn't figure out when the ball was going to go over my head, which is where suddenly I am now. Um, and like having a, like a sinking, like you kick a sinking line drive and I'm playing center and the dive and catching that ball. Like I, I can't wait to play. <laughs> people did kick it in the air yes yeah and i just don't remember it but of course yeah. They, yeah of course that's one of the ways you get an out is you right. catch it in the air uh, it's very hard to pick up a grounder throw to the first baseman and have him catch it all right to yeah. me it's not impossible but it's a little tricky it's an awkward throw with the kickball yeah no you're mainly looking forward to beaming the guys uh, running the bases Let's that's, right. <laughs> that's, the, that's the beauty of kickball. That's right. It really isn't kickball. It's more like dodgeball on the bases. But it's, right. it's, not, it's a it's a it's a mixture of softball and dodgeball. But kicking the actual kickball is awesome. No, it's awesome. And, yeah, and it wouldn't be any. Nobody's going to strike out now. I mean, it just rolls up there. It's going four miles an hour. You just kick it. Yeah. Yeah. Unless unless like a foul ball. Unless you hit like three foul balls and that's out under the kickball rules, which in fact might be the case. So for some of you, this is the end of this particular episode, and you're tearing your hair, whatever hair is left out, uh, thinking, well, what am I going to hear the Atari story or uh, about, and how does Jenks frenemy relate to Trump? Well, that's the beauty of membership. TYT.com slash join. You'll get the whole show uninterrupted. Welcome back to old school. Jenks <laughs> and Ben with you guys. Uh, and we were in the middle of a, a conversation in the longer version of this old school episode about talking about Donald Trump's tweet uh, where he uh, kind of began to concede, but he didn't. it's obvious he didn't write it. And I was comparing it to my frenemy uh, from when I was a kid. And we used to play kickball. And he would literally sometimes, if he, he would complain about a call, and if he didn't get his way, he would literally take the ball and go home. He would say, I remember clear as day. He said, this is my ball, so I'm just going to take it, and I'm going to go home if you guys don't agree. And so right. it's true. It actually does happen. It's a real thing. And, and so Trump not writing his own 
quarter concession tweet reminded me of that kid when we were, what, 9, 10, yeah. 11 years old? So now I'll follow that up with a story. And first of all, it suggests that Trump may take it back tomorrow, right? Because this mm, was done. Yeah. He's not. I don't know whether he ordered it. We don't know anything about it. So, And he's obviously quite capable of changing his mind on that. And then there's the excuse of, no, once the GSA begins this, you can't stop it, right? Mm -hmm. um, and obviously they could do it without him signing off. It would take some effort to really force a court to get to court and force it to stop it. And he's probably not done that any anyway, or, or he does. I don't know why I always say that. Um, so I believe I was 12. I know I've told this story before, but maybe not an old school sixth grade. I know it was sixth grade. So I was 11 or 12 and we were playing basketball in the blue court, uh, on the top field, obviously. And, uh, I went baseline. I was better than in comparison to other people than I am now who've played with me. Right. Or at least at my school. And, uh, I went baseline and I, uh, used my left hand as I was going left to right. And I bounced it on the line, solidly on the line, maybe even more out of bounds than on the line. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I continued and made some nice shot, probably not a reverse layup. I was 11, but I probably got to the other side, turned and shot a little jumper and it went in. I felt good. And somebody said, uh, you dribbled out of bounds, right? Or stepped out of bounds. I think it was dribbling. And I said, no, I didn't. They were like, no, I, you stepped out of bounds. You went out of bounds. And I didn't follow you after you went out of bounds, right? Maybe it was the guy. And I was like, no, that's out. You can't say that. I didn't step out of bounds. The basket counts. And I kicked the basketball um, over, like, all the way onto the field, right? I don't know. In my head, it went 100 yards. Probably went 20 yards. But it wrecked the game. And then I stomped off. And you know now I'm a I'm a fairly uh, no I, I'm a I'm fair in sports right yeah um, no, no question you are uh, and uh, I call fouls on myself I seldom call them on other people and when they do it's because they foul me um, and uh, <laughs> and as I was walking off I thought I am behaving like a child <laughs> right so when you were twelve <laughs> yeah no no definitely might have been eleven I was like this 11. yeah this is outrageous. <laughs> I saw, I dribbled it out of bounds. I saw it. I know I did. And then I just lied about it. And now, and then I kicked the ball and now I'm leaving when yeah. really what I want to do is play. And literally from that day, I was like, I'm never doing this game ever, 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 ever. And I don't yeah. think I haven't. I, I mean, when I'm playing tennis, I mean, you, you could be eight inches past the baseline and I'm like, eh, close enough. Let's play. <laughs> well, that might be overdoing it a bit, but, uh, <laughs> But Ben, uh, I'm going to say something uh, amusing as usual. Uh, and this is why we know we're good guys, okay? Um, so because I remember a football game in uh, Pope's backyard, uh, and we used to play all the time one-on-one -on -one with steady quarterback. So three people were plenty yeah. enough for a football game. Yeah, you don't have to explain. I, yeah, I still remember yeah. the Nerf football that we used, and um, and. I don't remember what the exact contours of the play were and what the rule was. Uh, I might have fumbled out of the end zone or something along those lines. But I remember uh, Pope, who we used to call Dope, I know, imaginative. Uh, and Dope was said, no, you, you fumbled out of bounds. Let's just use that as an example. And had the correct rule. And I was a child. And so I, I said, no, 
and I convinced Khan, the third party involved, that I was right about the rule. Um, and that has bothered me in my conscience yeah, sure. right. for 39 years. Yeah, of course. Okay. That's right. No, that is, that's proof. You should call him and tell him that, that was uh, you were out of line. Yeah. Um, Another time, in fact, I just told my kids this because we we watch Queen's Gambit. No, we watched, uh, we watched a couple episodes of that. There's a, too much chess. <laughs> well, we, we were there was too many kissing scenes for us, believe it or not. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but uh, but we loved the chess portion of it, and then uh, and then we started Pro and I started playing, and then Pro and Joy are playing. Pro's ten, Joy's eight, uh, and then That's I great. told them yeah. I've never played. In my life, you never play chess. No, huh? Never, no, not once. I don't even think anybody taught me. Never been interested. Always been a little intimidated by it as a result. Check, really checkmate. Like it always. Like don't say check because then the other guy definitely says checkmate. Like um, <laughs> that is that's, definitely not how it works. That's <laughs> definitely on TV and movies. That's how it works. Check, <laughs> checkmate. Oh, I didn't see that one coming. That's, <laughs> It's the same movies where you've got a pair of kings and another guy has a pair of aces. <laughs> so today, like people respond to this who, who watch uh, or listen. Today, I tweeted, uh, dear uh, makers of the mason jar, uh, uh, you know, it's time to uh, move forward and get a regular lid. Right. Like, uh, you know, mason jars, right? Uh, no. They're jars, and they're kind of cool. They look like they once had a beverage in them, but now you use them. And you put a little thin lid on top that seals it, and then you screw like a normal lid, except that's empty. So there are two parts to it. And it's super annoying, right? Because you can't... Oh, yeah, now, I, I didn't know that was called a mason jar. Now I know it. And I've never figured... I always thought, like... It, all in the back of my head. Never consciously had a right, single right. thought about it. But I always thought, like, is it broken or is this a kind of a jar all right here and never verbalized it or even yeah. thought about it to myself? So I got exposed. My mom had them. So I liked them because they seemed cool. And I actually liked pouring Coke and ice into it and then drinking it. It felt cool, right? Like you were doing something. And then we, we have, I don't know, 175 of them for inexplicable reasons, right? And yesterday I was putting something and I was like, Come on, man. Where's the other part? Why don't they just have lids? I'm going to tweet that tomorrow. And I worded it very well, and it got, for me, fairly good response. But, of course, I know that there's obviously a reason for that, right? I just don't know it. And it's still funny to say, you know, John liked it and Iderol. And, you know, obviously it's funny. Everybody who's had a mason jar has thought it. But, of course, there's a reason for it. Otherwise, they wouldn't put people through this. And so I got a ton of responses about preservatives, which is why it exists. It's a sealant, to the, the fruit, and you, you, you got to, I don't know. But I take, obviously, I don't know how to preserve things. They do. I'm sure it's necessary. And then a number of other people respond by telling me where I could get uh, mason jar lids that are one piece. I'm like, I, I, I got it. I, I got it. <laughs> none of this, none of this was the point, but thank you. I'm going to wait till I get rich before I get the one piece mason jar lids. What were you talking I'm about? Put it on my bucket list. Or my jar list, if you will. Oh, somebody sent me an Amazon link. What were we talking about before? Because that was definitely related. And maybe it was obvious that it was related, but I can no longer remember what you were saying. Uh, oh, the uh, pair of aces, pair of kings in the movies, check, check, checkmate in the movies. Oh, yeah. Like, like I got it that obviously 
I don't want anyone to explain that it's not one person saying check. Yeah, I got it. I don't know anything about it. I know that. So just yeah. black. Right. Yeah. Now I would I would have given good odds that that you had played chess. I'm I'm really surprised you haven't. Um I wear glasses. I'm Jewish. Of course it seems like I played chess. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't laugh at that. That's I denounced and reject that <laughs> joke. Okay. You laughed at uh, you laughed at the glasses part. Right, of course. Yeah. So I remember I, I so I'll tell two chess stories real quick. Uh, once, no, three. Uh, but trust me, they're all quick. Uh, once I beat Dave Kohler, who uh, founded Young Turks with me and Ben. Uh, and Dave loves chess and goes to tournaments and stuff. And this was a long time ago, I don't know, a decade ago or something. And I don't play that often. And, you know, I'm sure I got lucky. And and, and he beats me. Back then, he would have beat me nine out of ten times. Now he probably beats me ten out of ten times. Uh, but that day, you know, I pulled the right mason jar. He said, check. I said, checkmate. Uh, <laughs> and it's bothered him ever since. And so I was like, no, that's it. I'm out. I'm never playing you again. Yeah. yeah of, course, of course. You got it. You got it. It's, uh, I, and I, of course, Dave Cole is good at chess. Like, I have no question. I, I've started playing tennis. I'm very eager to play a tennis with Dave. Uh, and there's really no reason why we can't. Um, but, uh, like I'm fairly certain he's gonna crush me, but I'm prepared for it. And uh, no, no, you gotta have me come, and you gotta have somebody else good come, so that after Dave gets frustrated playing with us, they go play and you and I play. Uh, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not, I'm not terrible. I'm not terrible. No, you know me. I'm not terrible either. I'll oh, seem right. terrible true. in the beginning, yeah. and then I'll warm up, and then I'll just be right. bad and not terrible. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, uh, the other second chess story is it, it relates to how we got onto it in the first place. Uh, a friend of mine, Emra, we used to play chess when we were kids and I never really quite picked up the rules. I played four years of rugby and never quite picked up the rules. So this does not speak well of me. But um, and, and I it was, I guess, a definitely a slightly different person back then, because if I was me now and we're playing rugby and it's got all those confusing rules, I'd just be like, nope we're going to take half this practice for you to thoroughly explain these rules to me. And I don't care how much it annoys anyone else. Cause I got news for you. Half the team doesn't understand the rules. They're just too afraid to say it. Right. So, but I didn't do that back then because I was too shy, believe it or not. And so I just went four years, not quite understanding when I'm supposed to put the ball down, when I'm supposed to pick it up. Uh, anyways, back then I didn't uh, know chess as well as I should have, but to be fair at that point I was six or seven. Right. And, and so, Emra gets, I, I basically tech, take his king without saying check or something along those lines. It's outrageous. Yeah, and uh, and it's clearly wrong, and I know it's, it's wrong, and Emra's mad, and, and, and he never gets mad because he's such a good guy. Uh, and then his mom comes along because we're at his place, and his mom sides with me because she's a Turkish mother, and the guest is always right. Yeah. She didn't bother figuring out who's right about this. I've carried that around for 43 years. <laughs> Okay, and I told that to my kids. I was like, don't ever cheat. If you're anything like your old man, you're going to needlessly stress about it for decades after that. Decades. There's, it's, it just doesn't pay. So my sense of chess is from watching it on television and in movies and in The Queen's Gambit, that one episode that I watched, um, is that you can do whatever you want, whatever you want, which makes me like it. Like, mm, like, and the other person entertains you as like, oh yeah, okay, do that. Well, then I'm going to do a knight to rook four, and they're like, oh, nice. 
check. Ah, I thought we'd play longer. You know, it's like, <laughs> I thought we'd continue this ruse for a bit longer. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, my, once my dad caught me playing chess, uh, and he's like, what is this? Why you play chess? I'm like, I would have thought you would like this. It's a game that kind of parent would object to that. Yeah. Yeah. Who objects to ch what? Yeah. Like if you caught me drinking a beer or something, I get it. But like I'm playing chess that you should be ecstatic. Right. He's like, oh, it is very dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, all right, dad, I'm all ears. How's this one dangerous? Yeah. Okay. And it turns yeah. out. Uh, when he was growing up, they used to play chess for money. And so they developed gambling habits around chess. And he's like, oh, every friend I know got bankrupted by chess. <laughs> that, is, that is so ridiculous. But it is true that uh, for a lot of people, chess is like a gateway drug to bridge. So I can, I can, I can, I can understand why your dad was worried. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! If I had just stuck to gambling on chess, to give any idea how much better my life would be? Oh my God! Totally, yeah. <laughs> we could be having kickball every weekend. <laughs> <laughs> totally, yeah. We'd have a whole kickball league, the Southern California Kickball League. Uh, yeah, you want to do something this weekend? No, going to Thousand Oaks for a kickball tournament. Oh man, that's great! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Why? Uh, because Jake only lost a little bit of money since he was yeah, gambling on chess and not on blackjack or poker. <laughs> right <laughs> online. Yeah. <laughs> right or on football. Anyway, it's just worth. It's just real quick. It's then worth telling people that when we worked together in Miami, when we'd you know probably known each other, I don't know, a year or something at that point, we played internet blackjack, which was rigged on Sundays more than any other day because people lost money on football and tried to get it back. So it's obvious, right? It's a, you know, algorithm, it's a program. So obviously they can set it any way they want. Anyway. So at one point I was frustrated. I'd been losing and I lost like $400 in a sitting. And, and you were like, you want me to, <laughs> one of us suggested that you play on <laughs> my account and turn things around. <laughs> so I went and shot like a seven minute segment. I get back and you're like, yeah, uh, I, I lost twelve hundred dollars <laughs> of my money. But the crazy thing is, the possibility. It's not like you did anything wrong. You were like, no, let's go try and turn this around. And then we, because we both get the thing of, oh, I lost twenty five. I lost twenty five. Fifty. Fifty. A hundred. Two hundred. Three hundred. Four hundred. Five hundred. <laughs> double down. I, wow. Wait, I just lost eighteen hundred dollars. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people complain about algorithms now. I mean, if you'd seen those old blackjack algorithms. Oh, yeah. I mean, we would have had, we wouldn't have, uh, Hillary Clinton would have been president in 2016 because Facebook would have fixed their algorithms just because of that the outrage of the blackjack algorithm. If that had caught on back when, when we were doing it. No, uh, I don't remember, of course, if I went crazy in, in betting. I doubt it. Uh, it's possible that the algorithm had set in. So I just lost 200 hands in a row by the time you were done with the seven minute segment. Uh, and, and because once they put you on a losing streak on that program, it was good night, Irene. Absolutely. But I remember being more panicked every minute you were gone. Yeah, I, I was probably, time thinking, I, probably went and did the, I probably went and did the whole show. So it was probably 30 minutes that you had. Yeah, you might have been doing the show. Yeah, that's that's my recollection. And I remember thinking, like, why? Why did I agree to do this? I'm so, <laughs> so stressed. And uh, I know that I can't pay him back. I don't have it. And, and, but I'm not, but it wasn't for me. And if I'd won $1,200, right. obviously right. Ben would keep it. And so, and, and I would never accept. So, but nonetheless, I feel 
awful. I, I mean, I, I've felt worse like three times in my life. No, uh, I remember feeling worse for you, like later feeling terrible for me, but being like, no, I got it. This was, I got it. You, you were supposed to be good luck. You weren't. It's not, it's really not your fault. No good luck, luck in that algorithm. Right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and look, time. to me, yeah. the only reason why I didn't feel monumentally worse is because there's a correct way of playing blackjack, and it's not complicated. So I, I didn't do anything different. I just played it, I'm sure, almost exactly as you would have played it. Yeah. But but nonetheless, that, that didn't help at the yeah. moment. 13, 8, 15, 6, 16, 5, 12, 9, 13, 8. Non-stop. I mean, it was unbelievable. Unless you have 19, in which case they only need 20. I mean, it was really, it was amazing. So I'll go back to a cheating story. So I, apparently I had too many of these, and apparently they all weighed on my conscience. So I don't know why I had three or four. I should have stopped after one. But uh, I cheated in Mrs. Miller's reading class. Uh, I was copying. I couldn't get one answer, and I was frustrated. Um, and I didn't want to get a 90%. I wanted to get 100%. Uh, so... I looked at Paul Calamia's sheet because Paul's really smart, and I figured he would have gotten it, and he was better at reading than I was. So um, Mrs. Miller caught caught me, and and so I had I went full Trump. Yeah, right. Of course. And so this was seventh grade, so I was probably around 12, 13 again, right? And uh, and I was like, this this is an outrage. I wasn't cheating. My grades are great. I don't need to cheat. I mean, just disgusting stuff, right? Right. Yeah. yeah right. And right. and and I'm yelling at this poor woman who's just such a wonderful person. Uh, and uh, and then I'm now she tells me to go to the principal. I'm in front of the class and I'm still yelling at her. And then Marin Foyer says the thing that you you have had in your nightmares, all of you. She says, "Jank, jank," and I go, "What?" She goes. Your fly is open. <laughs> My zipper was down. And that class has never laughed. No class has ever laughed that hard at anything. And yeah, then. So, so you felt double shame instantly. Oh my God, the shame of that. Yeah. It probably affected my sex life. Yeah, but um, exposed as having your fly down when you're in the middle of a giant lie that humiliates the other person. So just, it's not a. It's a bad sequence of shame. Yeah. Because you're like, you're like, I never would have been standing in this situation if I, A, hadn't cheated, or B, massively lied about cheating. A hundred percent. It's an instant uh, entry into the hall of shame. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. you're shamed in every direction, uh, and you had it coming. Um, yeah. Like you they, sound they, like a bit like when you were a kid, like you were a bit of a dick. I just gotta be honest. That seems like <laughs> seems like we're in the chest, yeah. the football. You <laughs> totally, yeah, to pick right. up a pattern. Yeah, um, right, yeah, yeah. And and so no, of course I tell those stories as exceptions. I hope yeah. <laughs> because they still bother me. Uh, but no, you know, I was I was the guy like you who would call myself out in basketball if I was out, uh, and uh, even if no one saw it. And so when people didn't do that, I'd get extra mad. Uh, so that I had a fault, but it was it was in that direction. When it's not that big a deal, yeah, guy's not going to call himself out. Wakey, wakey, don't be yeah, naive, right. Right? Right. That's right? Yeah, that's right. Um, anyway, those are yeah. Uh, so all the way time. back, all the back to all the way back to my friend of me because I got to get the Atari story in. So that's the same guy, the Trumpian guy, 
who who had literally taken his ball and gone home. Uh, and he uh, ha- got an Atari set when no one else on the block had an Atari uh, yet. And and despite me, he would invite every one of our friends over except me. And that bothered me so much that uh, last Christmas I bought myself an Atari set. You bought yourself an Atari last Christmas? Yeah. You, do you still play it or like did you realize this? Is no, not- no. I, I, I knew that I was going to play Space Invaders like 12 times. Right. Uh, and I was going to play with my kids and then probably never play it again. And I was like, nope, totally worth it. I, I know that going in. But just to have the Atari sitting by the computer knowing at any time I could go in and play Atari. I don't need permission from the jerk in the neighborhood. That right. peace of mind is worth a gazillion dollars. And as it turned out, you know how cheap I am. I looked online. It was 43 bucks. I was like, yeah, I can do that. I can do this, right. But I'm not going to buy a PlayStation for whatever. I don't even know how much they cost. I always think about it every year because I'd like to play uh, uh, Call of Duty World War II. It's the only one I want to play because obviously I want to kill Nazis, right? And that's just the only thing that interests me at all about video games. And I played it a little bit on my computer way back 15 years ago. I adored it. I adored it. Oh, sniper in the woods. Oh, I shot that Nazi in the head. It was so good. um so yeah i mean does you i i've asked them before i've asked you before and and i i'm pretty positive i know the answer but i'm gonna ask you one more time does your dad know if he ever actually shot a nazi when he was in world war ii he almost certainly didn't shoot him uh you know he really didn't have he had a rifle but he he seldom had it he had a handgun uh which is funny um because it's my dad no he fired a mortar so I did ask him if he'd ever killed anybody, and he would always say, I don't know, they were really far away, but there's a good chance. I mean, fired a mortar at troops, you know, it blew up. Yeah. <laughs> Odds are. Yeah. yeah, and that was certainly the intent. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, and I, I you know, I never, I, I don't think he set the, the, you know, where, I don't, you know, whatever you call that, the calculation of, you know, where to fire, uh, he put it in. And he said his biggest fear always was that he was going to get his hand blown off. He wasn't going to get his hand back uh, out of the way. And he drove a Jeep. He fired a mortar and drove a Jeep. So he wasn't, uh, he told me one story, which he later acted like he didn't, where he uh, um, they, he was uh, in some jeopardy and running toward the woods, which would provide cover because that's where our troops were. You know, this is not like some big thing stuck in no man's land, but it was a war. And Germans are firing at him, them, and he's just running to get to cover. And he picked up a, a, a like whatever they had, a German machine gun or automatic rifle and was running and <laughs> shooting it over his shoulder as he ran. He goes, I, I couldn't have hit anything, but I just wanted to, you know, make them think, right? So maybe they wouldn't shoot. And then it ran out of bullets shortly thereafter. And then he just flung it into the snow while running. And I was like, so like Arnold Schwarzenegger, <laughs> like yeah, Bruce Willis, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. Um, no, they don't, was, they don't call him the greatest generation for nothing. <laughs> and like these days, like we go in and we heavily outgun everyone and think we're awesome, right? That's right. Back then yeah. it was a real fight. I mean, those, oh, yeah, the they were, they were, they had the, they had the greatest army in the world and then they overextended it. 
Um, yeah. But yeah, they, I mean, they they blitzkrieg through uh, through Europe. They were a serious fighting force, and they didn't care what they did. I mean, they they didn't. It helps to not play by uh, to not play by any rules. Two things. So I, I was uh, here. Uh, um, hold, hold on. Uh, we gotta go. We gotta go. Yeah. 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 So for uh, those of you watching this um, on, on all of our wonderful platforms, thank you. We, we have a little bit extra for the members, and uh, that's at tyt.com slash join to become a member. I actually want to ask you about one other Nazi fighting story with your dad, too, when we go there. But thank you, everybody. Uh, all right. Uh, so go ahead, Ben. Yeah, so we were talking about World War II. My father fought in World War II. He was overseas like from almost a year uh a little, about nine or ten months from like july or august of 1945 uh 1944 until the end of the war and then he was stationed after the war in germany for a bit um ran the radio station in bremen um uh you forget they couldn't get guys home right we had a million guys i don't know how many in europe and they it's not like they could fly and they'd go on ships and for the beginning of it, they kept them there because they weren't sending anybody home because of the war with Japan was continuing. So, uh, but I joined the Merchant Marine, which means you could get back quickly, and then you work the Merchant Marine. You're working for them, and then you get to New York, and you resign from the Merchant Marine. Ta-da, you're home. But uh, so uh, he died six years ago, and I found uh, in his things was a, and I have it right over there, a, a, a German officer's or German soldier's knife sheathed with a swastika on it. He'd never mentioned this, ever. Wow. Uh, he obviously took it off of a, 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 a dead German soldier, and I know that because of the other story he told me, lightly. And then he never mentioned it, probably because he forgot he had it. Um, and I thought, of course, first thing was, okay, amazing, I wish you were alive to tell me how he got this. And secondly, what's this worth, right? Mm -hmm. So I mean, I went on eBay very quickly, and it turns out, I don't know, there's. 5,000 of these circulating around. It's like worth $110 or 80. Uh, insignificant, not a life-changing sum of money. Uh, what is worth a lot is if you get one with a SS insignia also, right? But he didn't have that. So he took that off a dead German soldier. He Probably, because he, he told me he took a Luger pistol off of a German officer, a dead German officer. Um, and my dad didn't care about guns, even though he was shooting over his shoulder at Nazis at one point, at the German soldiers at one point. And uh, so he takes the Luger, which would be worth a tremendous amount of money off of a, a dead German officer. And but then when he was headed, I don't know if it was when he was headed back home or joining the Merchant Marine or at some point in the, at the radio station he was running at the camp in Bremen, uh, he was cold. Uh, so he sold the Luger, he traded the Luger for a Pico. That is a Frank Mankiewicz move. Like, and never, I'd be like, the Luger was such a cool war memorabilia worth so much money. And he was like, I was cold. <laughs> like, right. like, well, and I was cold and I was never going to shoot anybody ever again. <laughs> it, it is, it's, it's almost got a my dad quality to it. Like a Dogen Uger quality. Yes, but I was cold. Yeah, so, yeah. where is the question? Why, why are we having a conversation? Did, yeah. I, did you hear the part where I said I was cold? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this kid's a little slow. Um, so, uh, yeah, I could just see somebody coming into your house and seeing a knife with a swastika on it and be like, oh! <gasps> right? right, totally. Right. Um, <laughs> like, I was, I'm like, how, where do I put this so my daughter never finds it? Um, and, 
but then I, like I'm touching, I'm like, I, I didn't even think you could hurt yourself with it. It's so dull. But uh, I don't know. I feel I definitely feel weird uh, having it. Um, but it is my father had it, so I feel like at least for a while I'll uh, you know it'll stay in a box no, somewhere high no. in the closet. Yeah. No, you're being crazy. Uh, if, if a non-Jewish person who did not get it off of German dead soldier yeah, right, had a it. knife with a swastika, it would be deeply concerning. But in your case, are you kidding me? Like, it's actually a bit of a crime you've never showed it to me. Um, right. I, I, we just, because I moved, I mean, I'm in a different place. We moved my office upstairs because we're, we're going to have a house guest for some time, it would appear. Um, and uh, so I moved a bunch of stuff and I found it again. I mean, I've moved with it. I keep knowing I have it, but I just was like, oh, right, this, this, this. So next time we are able to, uh, you know, uh, see each other in person sometime. Well, we've, we've had a couple, we've had an outdoor event. We still might be able to do that. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll brandish it. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, this reminds me of the Jimmy Sue Sue story. Uh, we told this one recently. Uh, so Jimmy is uh, one of our friends uh, and he was in the Taiwanese army. Susumi's uncle. So the kids call him Jimmy Susu. Uh, and so uh, Jimmy um, operated uh, the tank, uh, but he fired the artillery uh, in the tank. And so now they never went to war, obviously, it's Taiwan, uh, but they would do training exercises and, and they'd have to pull the tank up to a place and then Jimmy would have to, within 12 seconds, turn it around, shoot at a target and hit the target. And then if, they, if he hit the target, they get a day off. If he didn't, they wouldn't, et cetera. And I, and I uh, told you guys, if I was Jimmy Susu, I would never not tell that story every single day to every single person. Right. Uh, and and so the same thing with the the Nazi knife. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, did I leave this around? Oh, that's because my dad got it off a dead Nazi as he was fighting them in World War II. Jank, uh, we've heard that eight thousand times. Mm, I know, <laughs> like, but. but... <laughs> But it's never going to get old, and it's never not going to be the most badass thing I've ever heard. Yeah, especially for my dad, who was just you know, was a, a, a pacifist most of his life. I mean, seemed like a pacifist, and uh, you know, abhorred violence and saw no need for guns. And you know, uh, but you know, when you think because he was, you know, I'm Jewish because he was Jewish, and my mother seemed Jewish and sort of embraced Jewish culture, even though she was agnostic and had been a, retired from the Mormon Church. But my dad grew up. You know, that house kept kosher. Um, and, uh, you know, he went to Hebrew school and got bar mitzvah. And, and, you know, like, so you're fighting in Europe against these people who are trying to dominate the world with uh, white nationalism, fascism. And, uh, and, and you're Jewish and you survive, right, or are surviving since I don't know when he got it. And one of those guys who's part of that is dead. And he's got a knife that has their little swastika on it. And he was like, yeah, I'm taking this. You're dead. We're winning. And I'm alive. And you're like, okay. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. Yeah, you should take yeah. it. It's the most indisputable thing. So let's get to interesting questions. And I'm, I don't think I ever got to ask your dad this. And I don't know if you ever got to ask him. But did he, since he was so, he was... So against non—he was for nonviolence, etc. But obviously, the war is a war, and yet in World War II, of all wars, you got to go, etc. But would he have been proud if he found out that he had in fact killed three or seven or seventeen no, uh, no, soldiers, no, he, or would no, he, he have been horrified, or somewhere in the middle? 
somewhere in the middle, but mostly he wouldn't have wanted to know. He would have felt terrible. I mean, he did say, you know, sometimes you'd think, I'm, I'm, you know, he was over there. I'm 20 and I'm shooting at 20 year olds. Like what, what, what is this? This is insane. Like he got why it was important, but he never, he didn't hate, like he didn't, you know, he wanted to win and he knew those were bad guys and he knew Hitler had to be stopped. And then when they learned about the camps, he knew the camps had to be freed. He knew that there was a danger to the United States and a danger to Jews, but he wasn't that religious at all. He sort of went to temple on the high holidays out of respect for his mom. But yeah, so, but no, he, he had no interest in, in, in killing people. And I think that's why when I asked him, he was like, I don't know, probably, but um, he, he was pleased, as I'm recalling, he was pleased not to know. He had no interest in seeing it. Yeah, and did he ever wind up becoming, like, was he proud that he that he helped to beat the Nazis, or definitely. was that? No, definitely, no question. He, and so he'd talk about it a little bit, and in fact, uh, right before September 11th, uh, he was at the, at the 69th uh, Infantry. They were the, the unit that uh, met the Russians in Turgau, I think is the name of it, when the East met the West. Right. So and they took a lot of towns and had some tough battles along the way and, you know, and and and, you know, lost a lot of guys. I've looked up their casualty counts and uh, they had two or three particularly difficult battles. Um, but no, he, he killing someone would have bothered him. He didn't like seeing he, the first dead body he saw was a German officer when he was driving a Jeep and it had frozen in the snow. And he picked it up, put it in the back of his Jeep, and drove it back to camp. And his lieutenant or captain, when he arrived, and he's like, hey, I got this guy. What do you want me to do with it? <laughs> As you might imagine, the officer was like, we don't pick up enemy officers and put them in our Jeep. <laughs> right? Dead enemy <laughs> officers. We, we, just, they, we leave them. <laughs> That's what we do. And so he was like, well, what do you want me to do now? And the guy shrugged his shoulders and said, bury the bitch. Like that. So that... Mm -hmm rang out, which he did. Um, and uh, uh, his first experience with seeing dead people was in an American bunker. And he was sent in with a couple other guys to take the bodies out uh, of like 12 guys. I think it was 12, may have been more. 12 guys in a bunker and a grenade had gone off. Somebody had accidentally discharged their grenade. So all these guys, except for the guy who might have been blown up, they all died of concussion. And so most of them were just sitting there were standing there or had fallen over, but they were fine. They looked fine. Uh, and that wow. chilled him. He was not, he was not interested in, uh, he was not, not interested in the killing part. Yeah. See, that's interesting. So, you know, the, those stories we told about the Nerf football games and stuff and how they bothered my conscience and stuff, but yeah, I'm, you're like, the, there's no way I would have picked up the dead, uh, German officer. No way. Um, and I, that means that speaks better of your dad. Like he, he was compassionate enough, even in a situation like that, as the Nazis are murdering uh, 13 million people overall, 6 million Jews in particular, he still thinks we got to bury this guy. Uh, I wouldn't have thought that at all. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't, I mean, I, I maybe sure. Um, he was it was like his first day in Europe or his first day driving the Jeep. And I think it speaks to the you may be right. I'm not that, that but it to the the hideousness of why I don't know whether he never seemed like he had PTSD. And I guess some people don't get it. But 
um, like the awfulness, the hideous nature of this, right? Like you, you see a dead person by the side of the road and you've never seen a dead person before, right? Uh, this was, I guess, before the uh, 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 bunker. Those were the first dead Americans he saw. Um, and, you know, and so you're like, oh, my God, there's a dead guy by the road and I'm driving a car. I better pick him up. Right. That's what a sane person would do. Right. In that situation. Oh, my God. Or try you help in some way. You know, this is you can't make a phone call uh, and get help. So he just thought that was the right thing to do. And I'm sure afterwards, when his officer said, bury the bitch, he was always, you know, that's the kind of thing you remember. Um, he, uh, you know, he, he, of course, would never do it again. Right. But he was not yet hardened to the awfulness of, of you know, grown men standing out in the middle of in the middle of places they didn't belong uh, shooting at each other. Super last thing. Uh, did you say that the grenade had gone off accidentally in an American bunker? Yeah, yeah, no, it was, there was no, this was, they were in a camp. I mean, they were, no, I guess if they were in a bunker, they were exposed. But no, you can't throw a grenade into a bunker unless you're like attacking the bumper, bunker you rolled in. No, it, it, some guy was handling his grenade or putting it away and the pin came off and it, and it exploded. And, and that killed everybody in the, in the bunker, um, which is what happens if you're in an enclosed area when an explosion happens and there's no, I guess, way out. So everyone gets this, not a, I mean, it's called, or he called it, you know, this concussive or concussion. But I mean, it's basically your brain getting rattled so much that you're dead. Everybody was dead. The whole, everybody in there was dead. Yeah. So of all the stories you just told about dead people in, in the middle of a war, that actually makes me hate war the most, that particular yeah. story. Because people make mistakes. They make mistakes all the time. It happens in the office. It happens in personal life. And, but when you make it, a small mistake with a grenade, you just accidentally killed not just yourself, but much worse, eight of your best friends. Yeah, eight guys who were counting on you. And and yeah, and it's just, it's you know, it's so pointless. His description of it was always the, what stuck with him was everybody looked fine. Like they had no wounds, right? Guys were, yeah. he, these guys had been playing cards. They had been sitting at a table. I, I may have made up the playing cards part. But they were sitting at a table, and they were just still sitting at the table. You know, they were yeah. slumped over. But you look at them, there's no wounds, there's nothing, but they're all dead. And he and that, these other guys, two or three other guys, carried them out. That split second, as you realize what you've done and the consequences that are most certainly going to flow from it, uh, must have been even worse than when I lost that money for you in Blackjack. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. But, you know, that's why the thing in movies is so real, like the that when there's people around, the guys who, and it's, we know not just movies, we know it's happened in life and there's I mean, American soldiers have done it, soldiers from other places. Why throwing yourself on a grenade saves lives, right? You're dead, very dead. But it, uh, you know, if the guy had done that, it might have saved everybody and there certainly would have saved a bunch of them. Yeah. Wow. All right. Uh, amazing stories. We're out of time. Love you guys. Um, that's it. We'll see you tomorrow. I mean, next time.